Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 341, and I had a conversation with my dear friend, Jonathan Pushkar. Jonathan is the content creator of many superheroes today, merging Marvel, DC, and Star Wars with Lego on his social media platforms to the delight of hundreds of thousands of fans worldwide, and he's a Lego Ambassador Network member to boot. He's also a musician and songwriter with a penchant for Beatles-era sounds and songs. He's also the founder of Pushkar Media, specializing in online content and marketing. We had a great chat about everything he's working on now and some of the super cool projects he's been on, including working with the Thank You, Mr. Rogers album, honoring the music and memory of the greatest human ever, (laughs) Fred Rogers. Anyway, I had a blast talking with Jonathan and catching up, and I hope you enjoy it too. Check out heyhumanpodcast.com for links and to learn more about my guests and the show. Check out susanruth.com to learn more about me and my other artistic endeavors. And please follow Susan Ruthism on social media. And you can find Hey Human Podcast social media on Instagram and Facebook. Find my albums on Apple Music or Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your music. My most recent record is called All I Ever Wanted Was Everything. And I just got back from Nashville and am recording new songs. I've been saying that for about a year, but we actually dug into it. And uh, I'm so excited for progress there. New music coming in 2023. I'm making it so. Uh, Also, please check out my relationships and sex show, Are We There Yet?, with sexologist and healthcare practitioner Mara Edelman. It's on YouTube under youtube.com slash arewetheryetpodcastshow. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes makes it pretty easy. I'm sure the other apps don't make it too hard. And uh, it really helps. It's, it's what I want for Christmas. <laughs> Please rate and review and uh, let, let me know what you think of the show. I work really hard on it. Um, it's been up and running for about six and a half years. And uh, reviews and ratings really, really help push it up through the algorithm, especially on iTunes. So please take a moment and do that. Thank you for listening. Be well. Stay safe. Please stay healthy. Take care of each other and uh, sending you big love. All right, here we go. Jonathan, welcome to Hey Human. It is such a pleasure to be here. It's been a long time in the making and glad to finally connect on it. How many times have we tried to do this? (laughs) Three, I think. Fourth time's the charm. I'm so excited. We're making it happen. We're making it work. I see behind you, you are surrounded by your friends. Yep. And since we're audio only, we've got to tell our listener friends what I'm surrounded by. And that is my 3,500 plus Lego figure collection. The last time I counted was in 2019. And I was at like about 3,000 back then. And I've been, you know, getting tons more. So it's probably closer to like 5,000 now. But yeah, just uh, Lego is my game. And I'm sure we'll get into it, among other things. Jonathan and I met years ago and hit it off completely and i have adored you ever since you were one of my favorite people on the planet so i'm really excited to be here well the feelings are mutual all around it's one of those things where 
I think uh, kindred spirits tend to find each other in this world, despite how big the world is. It's actually not that big when you start to, you know, meet people and uh, get out of your shell and go do things that you love. And it's just so cool that, you know, we met all those years ago and connected on so many different levels. Like, I think we have a lot of the same interests, but we divert in those interests and then they come back around because of how passionate we are. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like, how often do you meet a new best friend in real life? Like for real, how often? And, uh, you know, when you find people like that, you just got to treasure them. And even if it takes four times to get a podcast interview <laughs> done, you just keep pushing forward. That's right. Well, let's go back to your beginnings. Where are you from? What was childhood like? So I grew up just south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, and I lived there till I was 18 before moving to Nashville to attend Belmont University. But, uh, you know, I guess the big thing to talk about is like what I do so that people have a context of like how the cyclone of my life has played out. So I talk about my life like a triangle. Like if you make a triangle with your fingers, there's like the point at the top and then the two bottom corners, right? So I do three things, but sometimes the triangle turns. So one thing is on top that day or another thing is on top another day but I'm all three things at any one given time. It just depends on what day you meet me, what one comes out on top. So of those three things that I do, uh, I am a musician. I write 60s inspired pop stuff. So think like 1965 radio hits, like the Beatles, the Beach Boys, mixed with Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne. So a little bit of modern flair with a lot of vintage flair uh, is my music side. Then I also am a content creator behind my Lego brand called Mini Superheroes Today. Uh, I've gotten to work with some of the biggest brands in the world, like Marvel, Disney, and even Lego themselves. Uh, so it's been a huge lifetime dream to live that out over the last almost eight years creating Lego content online. And then the other part of what I do is kind of the healthy marriage between those two. So, you know, taking what I've learned from uh, marketing my music and marketing my Lego page. I also operate a social media marketing consultancy where I consult one-on-one -on -one with people. Then I also have a team where we create content, post content, and do all social media marketing for entertainment personalities, um, small businesses, generally in the entertainment space. So, you know, I have a very full plate between those three things. And sometimes, uh, find time to have a social life in between that. But oh. long story short, I just wanted to get that out of the way up front so that, you know, we have full context for where things go. So I grew up just south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it was an interesting place to grow up because both of my parents were entrepreneurs. So they, uh, you know, really pushed me to try a lot of different developmental things. So, you know, whether it was playing sports or building Lego as a kid, you know, I was very much encouraged to, uh, you know, try anything and everything and see what fits because that's the true entrepreneurial spirit. And I guess that uh, kind of blended into my parents' upbringing style. So with that, uh, when I was in my early teens, I took a real big interest in music, thanks to like Guitar Hero and Rock Band and all of that at the time. And some friends and I started a Beatles tribute band where we gigged all around the, you know, Pittsburgh area. And it was a lot of fun. I was Ringo playing drums. And uh, it was a lot of fun because not only did we get to get up and play some of the best music of all time, but it taught me a lot of business skills too, about 
how to uh, present the band as a business and as a brand, how to learn social media at the time, 2008, 2009, 2010, social media is still pretty new for marketers at the time. And here I am a very early teenager figuring out how to make a Facebook event. It sounds funny now, but back then, you know, it, those were very valuable skills. So yeah, how how did you get drawn into the Beatles? Because it's not necessarily something a kid would find interest in, unless, of course, it's being played by your parents in the house. Well, that's a great point. And I appreciate you picking up on that. Uh, my dad drove me to school when I was a kid listening to the Beatles one album, which was like a compilation of all their number one hits. So every day driving to school was, I feel fine, Yellow Submarine, Come Together, just all these huge hit songs over and over and over again. And um, I think that it just kind of got imprinted in my DNA. And, you know, I like a lot of different music, but stuff from the late fifties to the mid seventies is just my absolute favorite. So the stuff that just gets me so excited and fills my soul with fire. So you're also uh, an old soul. I've thought that from the, you were probably born into a 40 year old man. (laughs) (laughs) Probably so. Yeah. A little, little uh, reverse Benjamin button going on, but I'm probably the oldest 27 year old you'll ever meet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, but something that was really fun about those Beatle tribute band days is, you know, we played with a lot of bands our age, but they were playing, you know, Blink-182 and All Time Low, all great music in its own right. But the funny thing was we would play showcases and local shows with those bands and all the kids our age gravitated toward the other bands, but their parents that owned the restaurants and the golf clubs and things like that, they liked the Beatle teenagers. So we ended up doing pretty well for ourselves, uh, you know, playing these gigs. And it was really great informative years to uh, feel some level of musical success and stability to know, hey, you know, this is possible. This is totally doable. And so, um, you know, getting to have that kind of experience in my formative years really helped me feel like I can kind of do any of these crazy ideas that kick around in my head because, Uh, I wish I knew the attribution for where this quote came from, but there's a quote that says what one man can do, another man can do. So the idea is once something's been trailblazed and done once, no matter how difficult, no matter how crazy it is, once it's been done once, it can be done again. You may be coming from a different starting point, but it can be done. So, um, you know, basically, unless I have an idea that's so crazy that it's never been done before, I really never have any doubt that I can get anything across the finish line even if it takes a long time. And your parents, I assume, were super supportive of you out there because they're entrepreneurs. What does that mean for them? What What was their thing that they were latched onto? So my dad uh, is a professional photographer. He used to do weddings, and then he got into a lot of high school sports, high school seniors, families, that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, three decades of that pretty wild. Uh, And then my mom owns a women's boutique. So she's coming up on her 20th year here before too long. And, uh, you know, she's purses, clothing, jewelry, all of that fun stuff. So interesting, like two very different routes of entrepreneurism. And then I throw in a third one that kind of has this artsy music, digital nomad element to it. So, um, you know, it was definitely a very interesting way to grow up. And in some ways, I feel like it kind of uh 
was a blessing and a curse because there's just no way I wasn't going to end up in something entrepreneurial, but it's not the easiest path to take either. So it's a catch 22, you know, uh, it's not a life for everybody, but you know, I'm very grateful that it's worked out for my folks and I, and my friend recently asked me if you were to do things all over again, do you think you would want a more stable life? One where you go to a job every day and do the thing. And even if it's a, you know, an upper, upper level job, just the idea of going to do that every day, I said, nope, <laughs> I'd much rather do what I do. The, it is terrifying at times, but it I don't know. It's just my personality fits it. And as does yours. I think I, I, yeah, but I do always like to be fair in that it's not going to work for everybody. So while, you know, some people really like the stability of knowing what 100%. they need to do five days a week, nine to five, and knowing that there's a should you want this direct corporate ladder that you can climb over the years, a direct path of ascension, should you choose to take it? And I can definitely see the appeal in it. I just think that, you know, our society here in America, for better or worse, has been relatively structured that, you know, we need to do things one way always. And that's not always the case. I mean, there are certainly some things that are tried and true. We definitely need to stay uh, on top of and stay true to, but there are other things that, you know, kind of break down the paradigms. And I just think that if you, I know that this sounds cliche, but it is very true that like, if you have a dream, you just keep chipping at it. You don't have to, you know, move the stone a mile in a day, but just push it a little bit every day. Eventually you'll get there. Just from seeing you over the years too. I remember when you were just starting to play out music more, I know you'd done it a lot previously, but in the iteration of your life where we met, you were just starting to get back into it and, and pursue it more uh, aggressively. And what's funny is I feel like the universe went, oh, he's back. And then suddenly you got all and we'll get to all this stuff. But suddenly you start getting all this really insanely cool opportunities because you were doing the work. But again, we'll get that. And also, I want to give your mom a shout out for her store for anyone that is in the neighborhood for her. What's the name sure. of the store? She's just south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it's called Jonathan Michaels Boutique. And my dad is Impressions Photography. And you're an only child, correct? I am. How is that growing up? Did that? I, I feel like because of the world you live in now, which is so imaginative and creative, that as an only child, you know, there's the idea that oh, they have to come up with so many stories for themselves and have play with them, you know, play on their own. I almost said play with themselves, and that was that's a whole different conversation and show. <laughs> Not this one. Not this one. So tell me, did you find that to be true that it inspired more creativity and imagination for yourself? Yeah, there is a lot of interesting research out there that suggests, uh, you know, only children do tend to have bigger and better imaginations for that reason without a, you know, older, younger brother or sister to bounce ideas off of, you know, that's just the way it goes. Uh, I was very fortunate that I grew up in a neighborhood with a lot of kids. So, you know, I was at no shortage of social opportunities. But at the end of the day, you know, the sun sets and you're at home on your own, right? While all the neighbor kids have a brother or sister. It's hard for me to say, though, if it is better or worse. It's just all that I know. You know, it's like if you were born in Guatemala and it's like, oh, do you wish that you were born in the United Kingdom? It's like, well, I don't know. You know, you just you kind of only know what you know. 
might life have been better with a sibling? Maybe, maybe not. I just know that, you know, where I've ended up, I'm very happy these days and there's not too much I would change even the difficult stuff to get to where I'm at now. I also talk about it like seafood. I'm allergic to seafood and people are like, oh, you must, you know, hate that you can't eat shrimp or anything. And I'm like, well, you know, popcorn shrimp, I'm sure it's really good. I'm sure it'd be awesome, but I'm pretty happy without it. So it would only be additive to the state that I'm at now. And I feel pretty good. So uh, it's kind of funny to equate not having a sibling to popcorn shrimp. But if you know me, all my analogies kind of end up somewhere like that anyways. So yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would have had it any other way. It's uh, It was a great upbringing. You know, I definitely had parents that loved me and still do. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything because everything good and bad is additive to get you to who you are today. And so, you know, if you're happy with that, then congratulations, everything's gone pretty well. And if you're not happy with where you're at, it just means that there's still some work to be done, whether that's career, personal relationship, just still a little bit of work to be done. And that's okay. That's what life's about. Wouldn't it be boring if there was no more work to be done? It would be boring. But every once in a while, I think I have enough personality now. Just send cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when you get into vlogger content and you know <laughs> you just film it and the personality pays for your life from there. There you go. All right. So you're, you're doing the Beatles music. I did go off to college after high school. Um, interestingly, my dad went to art school and my mom did not go to college. So in our little family unit, we really didn't have a traditional college pathway experience, if that makes sense. So I didn't really think about college until like September of my senior year of high school, which, you know, depending on what guidance counselor you talk to, that's way too late, you know, but it just wasn't a thought to me. And so I applied to several schools around the, you know, Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area. And I also applied to Belmont University in Nashville as kind of a Hail Mary because, you know, I knew ultimately I wanted to end up somewhere in the entertainment industry, but at 18, you know, I was pretty well traveled growing up, but I wasn't, uh, you know, experienced living elsewhere. You know, I I didn't know what it was like to live in LA, New York, Nashville, and just knew what it was like to live where I did and, you know, go spend a weekend in New York sometimes. But I applied to Belmont University in Nashville kind of as a Hail Mary where like, if I got in, maybe I'd entertain it. And uh, I did get in and I did entertain it and I did go. And I had a very, very difficult first year of college, Uh, just a lot of personal things going on, uh, a lot of mental health things going on. And uh, interestingly, it's kind of where the Lego thing was birthed out of. I'm sure we'll get there before too long. But uh, overall, Belmont was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. And it really opened a lot of doors and set me up for the life I have today. If we go back to the triangle analogy, all three points of that triangle were strengthened. Uh, so nothing but great things to say. Did you, do you want to talk about the mental health aspects? I mean, to whatever degree we want to go into it, I think that it's an important part of my story, like for my internal monologue, but I don't know how important it is for the public discourse, if that makes sense. Um, I guess the reason that I say that is, you know, I already can tell that like the conversation we're having is probably the most public record conversation I've ever had about myself, which is fun. And there's nobody I'd rather share that with than you. And by you, I mean you, Susan, Ruth, and the listeners. But, (laughs) um, you know, I just think that a lot of things with internal 
dialogue uh, are best left to be sorted out yourself in some ways. Now, whether that's with yourself and somebody trusted, like a family member, a therapist, whatever the case may be. But I think with a lot of that kind of stuff, it's hard to um, give one-to-one perspective. So I don't know how deep I'd want to go into it, just because I think a lot of it is important to think through yourself and with somebody trusted that like really, really knows you. I wouldn't want somebody to hear my story and take general advice from it. But I think that, you know, with experiential things I've had and things I've built, no Lego pun intended, there's more to take from that than, you know, my little one year mental health journey. So, well, um, I do. I think that when kids go off to college, it's a, it's a major life shift and the experience of anxiety and the experience for, I'm speaking for myself now, anxiety and uh, expectation and I personally hated high school. That's just, that was my journey. Hated it, barely graduated, couldn't stand it. And I loved college. I loved being able to think for myself finally. And that that was actually encouraged. I think that that journey is, we don't give enough credit to the kids that are going through that stuff because it's a lot. You are in the the womb of the family and then birthed out into the real world. And not only you birthed into the real world, but in many cases, Belmont included for sure, um, is that the, the price of college the, in, to, to attend, we understand the burden of that too. And so all these things combined, that's pretty stressful. Not to mention that there's a societal expectation that it's what you're supposed to do. So you have this you know, external pressure that if you don't go to college and if you don't succeed in college, and then if you don't get a good job in your field, that somehow you didn't do it right, or you messed up or you're a failure, which definitely is not the case. You know, I think especially after, you know, the COVID lockdowns, a lot of things shifted that, you know, you can learn things online. That's not to say that college isn't valuable, but it's definitely more valuable for some professions than others. And maybe put another way, it's definitely more valuable for some uh, career paths and aspirations than others. So like, if you want to be a heart surgeon, yeah, college is definitely a move for you. But if you want to be a YouTuber, maybe, maybe not. It just depends, you know, it, it really just depends. So um you know, I, I think that there's a lot of value. And like I said, I have nothing but amazing things to say about my Belmont experience. But I'd also be the first to say that depending on what your life uh, goals are, it may or may not be the best choice for you. And, you know, it's just relatively rare that we've heard that conversation in society until the last couple of years. Yeah, I am glad that that conversation is being had now post pandemic and during the pandemic. Definitely helps with getting you to move somewhere new, discipline. Mm-hmm. It teaches a you a lot. For the first time, there's a lot of life skills that come with it too mm-hmm. that definitely can't be dismissed. But it may or may not be the best choice for people. And I'm like I said, I'm just yeah. glad that that conversation's being had. But on a fun note, to keep the story moving, uh, you know, my second semester of my freshman year, uh, I only had classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so I had four day weekends every day for a whole semester and you know going through what i was going through at the time it was kind of a mental slog and i thought okay look i'm gonna have all this free time and instead of re-watching parks and rec again the more 
valuable thing to do with my time would be to like use this time to learn a skill outside of what I can learn in my classes. Cause there's only so much I can learn in my classes. I can't take next year's classes today. So what can I do with these four day weekends to really like maximize my time? Cause I'll probably never have that level of free time ever again. And I started looking around my room and I'm like, okay, I've got a big dorm with off white walls and that's all I have to work with. I'm like, okay, uh, do I make music videos? Do I make covers? And I'm looking around and I look on my desk and I had like a little Lego plate with seven or eight figures on it. And I thought, there it is. There, I'm just going to use these seven or eight figures to create content because not only does it give me a challenge of, you know, these seven or eight are all I have to work with, but it gives me a niche Lego to work inside of. And it gives me something to work toward to learn hashtag theory. At that time, it really mattered what time of day you posted on Instagram because the algorithm was chronological, not like chosen for you like it is today. So it's funny to think about, but you know, all those years ago, those were skills that you didn't just magically know, like it seems we do today. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to challenge myself to create a piece of content every day and post it on Instagram and I'll see how long I could go. You know, if I make it a month, I'm sure I'll learn something amazing. Well, March, 2023 will be eight years that I've created a piece of content every day. So it's been a wild journey. It's opened so many amazing doors. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And, you know, I always say that like 10 year old me literally would not believe the life and career and income stream that I've built. And I love it. You know, I've turned my house into basically a toy museum now (laughs) and it's a, it's a great way to live. It's a lot of fun. It keeps me mentally stimulated. Uh, It just has opened so many cool opportunities and, you know, I don't think that I ever could have guessed that when I was, you know, going through a difficult time. It just was looking for something to give me a new skill set that it would literally like define the course of my life for the next near decade. Did you play a lot of Legos as a kid? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I never got rid of anything from when I was a kid. So luckily, after, you know, a couple of weeks went by and I'm like, all right, I am about out of ideas that I could use these eight figures for. You know, I went home that summer and got reunited with my Lego collection from growing up. So, you know, I went through all my old bins of just random pieces in the basement and picked out the figures and put them back together. And, you know, I have to imagine like if the toy story world was real, where like toys could live, they're like, Oh my God, you know, I found my legs again (laughs) with all these figures being torn apart in the bins. But yeah, I mean, that was such a fun summer to kind of bounce into and start this and, it's, it's just been such a fun ride ever since. I love it. Legos is a big part of my childhood too. Yeah. They used to, I don't it's know. It's one of those things that nobody hates Lego. Unless you, you step on like, one. <laughs> yeah. But that's only a momentary thing. You know, it's like, you know, I know people that hate a certain toy brand or a certain type of TV show or movie, like, you know, Star Trek versus Star Wars. Some people hate Star Trek. Some people hate Star Wars. Some people love both. Some people hate both. But there's nobody that like outright looks at a Lego set and like starts like wringing their wrist like they (laughs) hate it. It's just, it's something that's, you know, universally positively viewed. And then there are some people like me that just can't get enough of it. Legos are the Mr. Rogers of the toy world. (laughs) Yes, that is 100% true. 100% true. 
Yeah. And then, you know, it's so interesting how, you know, Lego has tied in with IP properties over the years. I guess IP properties is saying property twice. Anyways, okay. <laughs> you know, Star Wars, Marvel, Lamborghini, Transformers. So it's almost intersectional now where like if you're a Marvel fan and you're looking for something else to collect, here's Lego. If you're a Lego fan and you're looking for something else to collect and you just watched the most recent Star Wars movie, guess what? There's a set for that. And so, you know, it's really brilliant on the company's long-term strategy to, you know, combine two different fandoms and they kind of just strengthen each other. Absolutely. And I don't know if they still do this, but there was a time in Lego's history where they would include a letter with the box that said, you know, this is great stuff for your kid's imagination, boy or girl, doesn't matter. Let, let them explore and do whatever they want. If they, you know, if they mix and match or create the, the set as is great, it's all perfect. I think that's, I think that's an important, they're very, they knew what they were doing. They were STEM before STEM was STEM. <laughs> very much so. And it's very fascinating if you look into the company's history. I mean, I would say that I'm not going to say I'm the world's leading expert, but I know more than your average bear about Lego. And the figure, which is called the mini figure, was actually developed under inspiration from getting more girls to get into Lego because Lego's internal research realized that boy builders were totally fine with using the bricks to build things like rocket ships and houses and cars when they introduced, you know, the wheel pieces, but they were losing girl builders because girls cared more about how those builds interacted with humans. So, you know, you think about, uh, you know, just the way boys and girls play boys have no problem driving a hot wheels car back and forth on the windowsill of the car as you're on an eight hour road trip. Whereas, you know, girls, of course, I'm speaking traditionally, right, you know, would want to take their doll with them to experience the road trip or a baby doll or whatever the case may be. And so Lego found a way to intersect those two to introduce minifigures into the world of the Lego builds. So now not only do you build a Lego house, but there's people to live in that Lego house and you can open it. And here's the bedroom and living room and so on and so forth. So you know, that's a very generalized 10,000 foot overview of how the figure came to be. But a lot of people don't realize that it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, we just want to start putting people in there. It was a very intentional decision. And the company actually toyed around with it, no pun intended, from the late 50s. And it wasn't until the late 70s that the figure actually started to come in sets the way that we know it today. There were different iterations, but like, the figure you can go buy at Target right now didn't come out till the late 70s. Isn't that interesting? Well, there, you know, everybody has an origin story. Isn't that right? And you've got several hundred episodes about that, of yeah. all these amazing people's origin stories. Absolutely. All right. So what happens next? Yeah. Fast forward through college. You know, I was studying public relations at Belmont and I got an internship with a Beatles tribute band here in Nashville called the Wanna Beatles. It's a perfect fit. Still love those guys. Amazing gents. And one of the guys in the band, his name is Brian Cumming. He's a jazz musician. He said, hey, Jonathan, you know, you're doing great work with the Wanna Beatles. Could I pay you to come and consult me on how to get a website set up and social media marketing and all that? You know, I don't know much about it, but be happy to compensate you for your time. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on. Let's back up the bus. Did you say you want to pay me for this? And, um, you know, it was 
the equivalent of, you know, just getting any old job while you're in college to keep the lights on. But it opened the possibility for me in my mind that that could be a business is that there are people out there that would need help learning very specific things about social media and digital marketing that I could fill that gap. And so I started working with Brian, uh, you know, and we worked together for probably about a year. And at that time, Brian would be meeting with his musician friends and say, oh, you got to meet this young kid, Jonathan. So I'd meet with them, work with them. They'd recommend me to two people that recommended me to two that recommended me to two. That when I was getting ready to graduate, I remember having a conversation with some girls who are in my major public relations at the time at Belmont was very female dominated. So, of course, talking with my peers and my major was a lot of girls and you know, one girl was saying, oh, I'm thinking about, you know, applying for a job at this PR firm because I can make up to this much. And then another girl was like, oh, you should actually look over here because you can make up to this much. And it's something clicked in my head of like that word up to. And it's like, okay, it is going to be a hundred times harder to start a business on my own. But if I start a business on my own and scale it, there is no limit to what you can earn. Thing caps out at where you want it to. Now, that sounds very pie in the sky and things like that. But if you think about it, you know, I at the time, I'm like a solopreneur, basically consulting with people at like, you know, minimum wage prices. But if I continue to grow a skill set, and I continue to add more skilled sets, and over the years, the decades, build a team out around this, and, you know, just elevate what I can bring to the table. There really is no limit to where this can go as long as I still want to do it. And I thought, okay, well, I got to look at, you know, what my client roster looks like right now. And I'm like, okay, if I can scale this up and get a handful more clients, I can at least keep the lights on and get groceries every week. And if I can get that figured out, then I could just keep building this and keep building it and keep building it. And so, you know, just from that time when I graduated up till now, a number of years ago, uh, just keep building it. And, you know, I'm grateful to say I've got a great roster of clients. Most of them are uh, really more friends than clients at this point, just because, you know, we talk about things that aren't related to, you know, our work together in between talking about projects that have to come up. So, you know, it's really fun to kind of walk through this with you in this way because my life does kind of cross over and Venn diagram with itself in so many ways that like, you know, we started talking about my Beatles tribute band in high school that taught me the elementary introductory skills to this business I have now, which helps feed my Lego business, which helps feed my music business. So that's why I wanted to start off way back at the start of the conversation with the triangle so that, you know, you can understand how sometimes things can come out on top. And for listeners out there that want to, you know, juggle several plates and figure this out, I just would urge you to think about that triangle method of just, you know, it's okay. You can have multiple sides to yourself uh, and they can come out on top and they don't have to be professional too. You can be a, you know, a gourmet chef at home and, you know, all your friends know that you love to cook, but you can also be an awesome bank teller at the same time and you can be multiple things and we don't have to box ourselves in and be just one. That's right. And it doesn't even have to be a triangle. It could be a square or a hexagon or it could be anything. 
It, it can be. I guess the only thing about the triangle is it makes a very good visual yes, with your hands. Absolutely. Uh, they have one point on top, but you could have like a sideways square with a point on top. But the point, no pun intended. I love the puns. No pun intended. The point is just to know that you can have multiple sides to yourself and you can rotate that shape in any which way. Absolutely. I just love to, you know, uh, take what I've built and show people that it can be done. What one man can do, another man can do. When did you start dipping your toe into documentary world? Into the documentary world, that began working with uh, Rob Shanahan, who is a music photographer. He lives in Los Angeles, and he's shot for everybody. Ringo, the Rolling Stones, Aerosmith, Fleetwood Mac, you name it, he shot them. And uh, he has a documentary in the works right now. And Rob's been a long time uh, family friend and mentor for me and now, uh, you know, social media client that I work with him. And so I'm, um, connected to that documentary in that way. And that, you know, Rob is the focus of this documentary and I'm kind of on the branding side, which is funny because the documentary is not done yet, but you do have to start thinking about, you know, the marketing and branding basically while you're shooting. So, uh, it's a real cool honor to be a part of it, and there's crazy progress being made. But you know, his life is so big, and you know, wrangling up all these rock stars to get interviews with, you basically have to plan it around their world tours. So it's uh, it's quite the journey to be on, but I love it, and I'm working on another uh, not publicly announced documentary yet, based on something that happened in Nashville in the '70s. So it's been very cool. We've got tons of interviews for that, but it's not quite ready to be publicly announced yet. So, you know, here's a good chance. Follow me on all the socials to stay tuned. Probably next year, 2023, and I'll get announced. A few years ago, we had a conversation. Do I recall that you worked with the Fred Rogers Foundation? Yeah. Yes, correct. I was an associate producer on a Mr. Rogers tribute album called Thank You, Mr. Rogers. Uh, it was really spearheaded by Dennis Scott. He's a multi-time Grammy winner. And the idea is taking these Mr. Rogers songs. He wrote hundreds of songs that he performed on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood over the decades. And they'd never really been collected in a contemporary way. So Dennis did an album um, many years ago that was a Mr. Rogers tribute. And then he did one in 2019 that I was involved with. And it was so much fun. Uh, you know, Mickey Dolan's from the Monkees, the Cow Sales, uh, John Cicada, Tom Bergeron, the TV host. He sang a song on there. A lot of people didn't know he sang at all. But uh, it was so cool to pay tribute to Mr. Rogers, especially being a Pittsburgh boy myself. You know, Mr. Rogers is a Pittsburgh legend. So again, it's just one of those Venn diagram things in, in my life where like all these cool things just line up and just fall into place so harmoniously i feel like at that time too you had a lot of things happening on the plus side there it just seemed to be really you were hitting a stride so to that point 2020 was not the most exciting year for uh, a lot of people and, and you know at the end of 2019 uh right into maybe october ish uh, actually it, it was september it was September when my first album came out. Uh, it was called Straighten Up. 
And several weeks prior to that, I had my first single from that album placed on Sirius XM radio on Little Steven's Underground Garage. And a gentleman named Marty Scott, who's the owner of Gem Records, uh, Gem Records was big in the 70s and 80s as an import label, bringing in Cheap Trick and different iterations of the Who albums into the U.S. And over the years, they've evolved to be kind of a boutique 60s inspired power pop label. And uh, Marty Scott, who heads Gem Records now, was listening the night that my single debuted. And basically, he got in touch with me the next day through the power of the internet and a gentleman named Mark Platt making an introduction to us. And the day after that, he sent me a recording contract to sign to Gem Records. And basically, the ink was dry in 72 hours. So I went from like, yeah, I have this album I'm going to put out. I can't believe one song got placed on Sirius XM. And just really excited for people to hear the whole album to 72 hours later, I'm a signed artist with you know, a legendary record label. I had all their records, you know, scouring the flea market bins growing up. And, uh, you know, we shifted into hyperdrive, getting the album ready to go and, you know, getting the promotion going. And uh, the songs from that album, three of them debuted on indie top 10 charts all around the world. So it was amazing, like, uh, you know, feeling like King of the World from Titanic. And my band was booked to play at the Cavern Club in Liverpool in may of 2020 we had all kinds of bbc press lined up all that good stuff and well i don't have to tell anybody listening why that didn't come to pass so hopefully maybe next year you know get back on the cavern list but it's a tough blow to you know have all that stride going and have to really scale back for 2020 but it helped me look inward it helped me figure out what's really important to me not only from a professional standpoint but also like what I actually want in my soul. Why Why am I doing any of this anyways? What boxes is it checking? You know, what boxes does anything check for us? And, you know, having a lot of that time to sit home and think. Yeah. Uh, it did me good. It was hard at the time. I, I know everybody listening knows that, but. It was uh, very hard. Yeah, definitely. Just a perspective shift. So I, you know, was going in full hyperdrive mode and I really enjoyed that for a while, but now I'm like, I'm okay with slowing it down. I'm okay with things just happening when they happen. But, you know, at that time of my life, it'd be hard for me to even imagine that being the case. So it's just life's all about adapting. Were you raised up in your family with a a sense of bigger purpose or every person has a, a purpose and we have to find it? Yeah, uh, I definitely grew up that way. You know, I think that in general, American culture outside of, you know, the family unit, we we are kind of raised in a way of finding purpose and making a life for ourselves. And I think that that's kind of the beautiful thing about America is you can really be whatever you want here. You know, um, if you have this crazy dream that you want to accomplish, there are plenty of Americans before you that have done something similar or at least started to lay the path for you to get there. Thanks to the advent of the internet, I think it's even more possible than ever that, you know, we can really strive to be whoever we want and whatever the case may be and you know may that last for the eternity of our lifetimes because it's an amazing place to be as a creative but yeah i would say that i was definitely you know raised with values and in a uh you know culture that definitely pushed me toward that right and i think that it's a beautiful way to live you know that there are all these possibilities that and all these doors we can open it's just up to us to walk down that hallway and open them and see what's behind those doors 
Yeah. Amen to that. All right. Getting into Lego. So you're, you're slowly but surely building up your online presence with the Legos. Did you, what was the, uh, the idea around those seven or eight figures you had in your dorm room? Did you have an idea that it was going to become what it is or was it more in the moment? No, so it started in March of 2015. And I think you could argue that there were influencers at the time. I mean, I think that there have been influencers on different levels, basically, since the advent of the internet, but it's different. It's much different now that like, you know, somebody on TikTok that has 2 million viewers and lives in Omaha, Nebraska, could technically have more influence than like a box office celebrity right now. I mean, that's new. That's super, super new. Uh, so, you know, there's a statistic out now that I think it says one in five students in like high school or younger when asked what they want to be when they grow up, say either a YouTuber or a streamer. And that's just hard to think that, you know, at this point of this recording, seven years ago when I started my Lego brand those answers were probably not the same. It's something that's shifted in the last seven years. Not to say some people didn't want to be a YouTuber back then, but again, it's just gotten so much more popular that, you know, it was never my life dream to be a YouTuber, content creator, TikToker, whatever you want to put to it, but I love it and I wouldn't have it any other way, but it wasn't my dream in the way that like a kid may be listening to this now and it's all they think about. So it's just, very interesting you know like do you think elvis i'm not saying that i'm like elvis but i'm just saying do you think when elvis got into music that his aspiration was to be an immortalized superstar that people have pictures of him hanging up in their house you know 40 plus years after he's passed away when he was playing in tiny little clubs and bars in the mid 50s probably not what he was thinking you know so it's just interesting how sometimes our uh dreams and successes if we lean into them can outpace even what we think they're going to end up being yeah it's been a wonderful journey to watch unfold i love it i've met so many cool people Uh, i've gotten to hear a lot of touching stories from families all around the world uh you know i've done like video meet and greets online where you know i've gotten to meet families in india ireland all over that you know they'll never be at a lego convention in the u.s but their kid is like a huge mini superheroes today fan so they're you know fans from all over the world that may very well never make it to a u.s lego convention but we've gotten to meet digitally online and you know we'll get on like a uh online call and you know the whole family's there and i'm talking with the whole family and they're like oh what's life like in america and they'll show me their lego sets and stuff but you know wind things back and if i didn't get into the lego world and you know kind of carve out my place in it i'm just some guy you know but to other people that's not the case you know some people that may be listening to this have only ever known me for my lego stuff they may have no idea what else i do and i know that there's people that listen to my music that have no idea that i do a lego thing so in some ways it's not like imposter syndrome but it is kind of funny that like depending on the context of how people meet me, I could be a couple of different people depending on the context of how we meet. So, yeah. So it's always interesting, like on first dates, like, you know, the dreaded first date. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's very, it's very interesting. 
I'm curious when you go on dates and you say, oh, well, I have a massive Lego empire of of bringing the world together to enjoy whatever Lego has going on. I'm sure for some people, they just look at you and blink a couple times trying to absorb what that means. Yeah, I mean, you know, most girls I've been out with are actually pretty cool about it. It's, you know, it's just kind of funny that like, you know, hypothetically, if I were ever to date a teacher, there's like a non-zero chance that one of her students has subscribed to me on some platform, you know? So like, that's, that's a little, I don't want to say odd. It's just like, if I was in any other line of profession, it's something you'd never think about. If I was a mechanic, you'd never think about something like that. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think I'm still unpacking it because, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm like, you know, Mr. Beast level of popular or well-known, but like, you know, in the Lego circle, I'm known and that's cool. And it's just kind of interesting. Like I said, to, um, you know, think about the context of how people recognize you or what people associate you with under different lights, you know? When did you know that the moment had come that the door had swung open and everything was going to be different around lego it's been a very gradual descent into the you know black hole of no return so i don't know that there ever was a moment but i was at the mall last week not anything lego i'm just shopping for some new clothes and a kid recognized me so when you're at a Lego convention or a toy convention or even the Lego store, that's one thing. I'm just minding my own business. I'm just shopping for some clothes, need a new winter coat. And some kid just stopped in his tracks and is like, couldn't get it out. Like, oh my gosh, you're, you're are you from YouTube? You're many superheroes today. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. So I don't know that that's the point of no return, but it is kind of interesting that that happens a couple of times a year, like outside of the context of, a Lego convention where you may expect that. I remember you calling me to tell me what was going on. And I, I thought, wow, this is it. This is the moment. Yeah. So Lego has a program called the Lego Ambassador Network, and it's been around for a number of years and it's kind of evolved over the years. But to make a long story short, it's something that content creators or Lego communities can apply to. Basically, it's, you know, you're loosely an ambassador for the company. So I'm, you know, what's registered as fan media. And so basically, Lego looks at me and says, okay, this is Jonathan. He represents the community of fans that follow many superheroes today. And, you know, his niche is superheroes. And he's on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So, you know, when opportunities arise to like review sets early or to reveal sets or things like that, you know, Lego will send sets early or press releases with all the images to, you know, help get the news out. Um, and so it's a very selective process of, you know, who Lego admits into this. I believe there's less than 50 ambassadors globally. It's definitely... It's definitely less than a hundred, like fan media, YouTubers, TikTokers, Instagram, bloggers, you know, whatever. There's not very many. So it's a very, very big honor to be a part of it. And, you know, uh, it's one of those things that like you just don't think is even a possibility to happen when you're growing up. And yet here it is. So it's uh, 
it's quite a big honor. It could not happen to a nicer, better human. I adore you. And so every time you call or we text and something else wonderful is happening in your life, it just, it makes me so happy. Well, the feelings are mutual and on all fronts. You know, you always have amazing things going on, both in this podcast and in your professional life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just so awesome. Like we said way earlier in the conversation is like, how often in life do you find a new best friend that like clicks with you? And it's just like, you meet somebody and you know, you're going to be connected for life. Yeah. It does not happen very often as much Wait. as I wish it could. It's so great it when happen. you recognize somebody. It's you just sort of look at them and you go, Oh, there you are. It's good to see you again. Even though you've yep. never met. It's an energy thing. It's hard to explain, but it's, uh, it's really awesome. And I think that the fact that it doesn't happen all that often makes it more valuable when it does happen because, you know, it, it's just one of those things you don't want to let go of. Uh, not that you ever would, but you just don't want to let go of it because it's so special. Yeah, for sure. Which of your Legos of the old school, do you have any favorites? Because I feel like oh, it must man, be hard when you have 3,500 babies to pick your favorite, but. <laughs> it, it is hard to pick favorites. Um, you know, the classic Indiana Jones figure from 2008. It's just a stone cold classic. Love it. The Tobey Maguire Spider-Man figures from the early 2000s. Those are up there for me too. But honestly, uh, this past summer, I was at a convention in uh, Virginia and a fan custom painted me. And that's up there. That's pretty cool, you know, to know that, um, you know, the work I've put out on this channel has resonated with somebody so much that they spent hours creating me as a Lego figure. That's up there too. So it's not the most traditional answer, but it's not an honor I take lately. And uh, it's just so wild. I love that. Why superheroes? Of all the different things that could draw you in. I know for me, I, I love the fact that superheroes tend to come from underdog stories. So I'm really drawn to that. I'm a big fan of the underdog. But what, what brings you to the superhero table? Yeah, I mean, it all goes back to the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Uh, it Those movies were just so life-changing for me. You know, in each of the three movies really came out of like a pivotal time of my life. So the first movie is really what got me into superheroes at all. I was a really young kid, and uh, it's a great story. My dad and my grandfather so my dad and his dad went to see the movie before i could see it and my grandfather was a huge huge comic book spider-man fan he cut out all the uh paper comics from the newspaper of spider-man for years he just lived and breathed superheroes and unfortunately you know he died while i was still pretty young so we didn't get to you know experience all this awesome superhero stuff together now but uh my dad and my grandfather went to see the first Spider-Man and my dad was on the fence, you know, oh, there's a lot of swearing. It's violent. Jonathan's so young. I don't know if I want to expose it to him. And uh, the story goes that my grandfather said, look, you know, he's growing up in a world where that's the reality, you know, at least have it presented in a way that you see the good in it. You know, you see there's a hero there and da da da. So my dad took me to see that first Spider-Man movie and it was all over, uh, you know, just 
just all over. I loved it. It was the greatest thing ever to happen. And then uh, Spider-Man 2 was huge in my life as well. Um, you know, with Doc Ock and things like that, I had a traumatic experience as a kid through a car accident and a uh, life-threatening car accident, a lot of rebound and a lot of recovery coming through that. And so, you know, Spider-Man 2 was that, what do you do when the pieces hit the floor? How do you you know, rebuild and, you know, you've got to be the hero and you've got to put it all back together and stand back up and, you know, fight the final battle. And, uh, you know, that movie just resonated with me so much. Then as the years went by and I matured a little bit, you know, the third Spider-Man movie, yeah, everybody says how terrible it is. It's the worst of the three. I agree. But, you know, it deals with a lot of, uh, you know, getting through grief and what happens when you think you're over grief and it knocks on your door again. And, you know, for anybody that's been through something traumatic, you know that like you can process and you can figure things out as life goes by, but it's always a part of you. You know, it it always alters the path that you're on for life. You can choose to be better about that. And I'm grateful that, you know, I've worked through a lot of that and done a lot of soul searching and figuring out how, you know, curses can be blessings in some ways. But that third Spider-Man movie deals with the kind of dark underside of you know you think you've dealt with this grief but here it is face to face and now what do you do do you let the darker emotion take over and of course you know spoiler alert for a 14 15 16 year old movie um that you know you have to cast out that darkness and you have to overcome it and you have to be the better person, even when it's harder. And, you know, that's a lesson it's taken me a long time to learn, but it's honestly kind of a hard movie for me to watch sometimes because it hits so close to home. So it is funny to laugh at like the memes of that movie and like, you know, the emo dancing sequence and there is some cringe stuff in it, but you know, to me, uh, it just, it's life changing and I'm going to, a comic convention next year in Lexington, Kentucky, where Sam Raimi, the director, is going to be a guest there. And uh, I'm glad that I have a lot of time to process. You know, with these comic cons, you don't have like an hour to speak with these guests. They kind of heard you through like cattle, but spending a lot of time being intentional about, you know, when I shake his hand, I just got to tell him that those movies literally helped me at times when I didn't know if I could get through them. You know, they, mm -hmm. it just, they're not just movies to me. It's, it's a whole nother thing. I mean, that's the beauty of story. Yeah. And I think that's why I love so much of what I do of like, you know, yes, there are times where you're celebrating, like you got a cool rare Lego piece and things like that, but it's very hard to find a piece of content for me that has a negative undertone. And that's not to be, you know, that's not to be over praising to Lego and to kiss Lego's butt and be like a hail corporate, but it's the only hobby in the world that if you buy it and you don't like it, you can tear it apart and turn it into something you do like. If you buy a car and have buyers or more, sorry, that's your car for the foreseeable future. If you buy a new tool set and you don't like the way the hammer fits in your hand, it just is what it is. But with Lego, if I buy a set and I don't like it, I can tear it apart and turn it into anything I want. A spaceship, a robot, can turn it into anything I want. And so where's the room for negativity in a hobby like that? And so that's the mindset behind all my content. So you may watch a TikTok for me and I'm talking about, oh, I found this figure or check out this cool set. But the undertone is that I just want to put 
45 seconds of positivity into people's lives every day. Cause unfortunately I've been on the far, far extreme and, you know, kind of walked through things that are very difficult and life is very short and there's just no reason for us to, you know, leave ourselves in that place when there are things that even just for blips, even if it's just scrolling through your TikTok and you come across me for 37 seconds, there's no reason for me to leave you with something negative or that's going to pull you in a negative direction when I have the power to put forth something that can help people and make a difference. I don't want to be over, uh, you know, zealous about like, oh, you know, my page is the greatest thing of all time, but it does reach a lot of people. And with great power comes great responsibility to pull it all together. And if I get up and I'm negative and I say things that plant negative seeds in people's minds and they watch me over and over and over again, there's influence there. And that's not who I want to be in the world. I've been that guy before outside of Lego. That's not who I want to be. Yeah, I get that. And I think you bring up a really excellent point about breaking things down to make something new. We live in, in a, at least these days, a throwaway society. When you get tired of something, you get rid of it. Or if it breaks, you get rid of it instead of getting down into the meat and bones of it and fixing it or reimagining it. And so I, I would definitely say that it is lovely to see that there's something out there that not only inspires people just to have fun, but to expand beyond what is right in front of them, to think about possibilities that they maybe never considered. And I know that sounds like a uh, <laughs> over-the-top explanation of, you know, little squares that have little bumps on them. But it is really true. I remember when my brother had kids and he would sit, you know, he pulled out all his old Lego sets that he and I used to play with when, you know, cause he had all the Legos and I, but I love playing with him and to see him do that and still having that joy in his eyes while he's playing and then watching the kids play and how much joy they have. And then everybody gets sucked in. You can't walk into a room of people playing with Legos and not sit down and start playing around with it and just having right. fun. Right. It, kind of lets you release inhibitions you just can do whatever and although it's not like my favorite set right now you just can't beat one of those big yellow or blue or red boxes that are just full of generic random bricks to just build whatever you know for me it's like i like the daily bugle i like the big you know whatever those are the more fun ones to me but man, if one of my buddies called me and was like, hey, come on over, we're going to order a pizza and crack open a uh, yellow box of bricks, I'm there. It doesn't matter to me. It's about the catharsis that comes from it. You know, it's like I said, it's the only hobby that you can turn into something you like if you buy something you don't. And I just love that. I remember when I first came into your place and you were showing me some of the sets that you had created, that you had built. And Wow. I mean, it's really something to behold. The amount of time and concentration and love that goes into these things is phenomenal. I just imagine that the whomever creates the sets, you know, the people at the Lego factory, you know, they get done with something and they stare at it and, and just the joy. I don't know. I just have this feeling of like, oh, 
knowing that that pebble is going to get thrown into the ocean and just ripple out so far and bring so much joy and so much love and so much creativity. And it's such a, it's got to be so powerful for the people there. Yeah. Just a number of weeks ago, I actually was invited to the Lego headquarters in Bieland, Denmark, and I got to interview several of the set designers for Marvel superheroes, Star Wars, the speed champions, race cars, uh, the modular buildings. And and, um, it was so amazing to connect with all of these cool people. But the ones that I want to shout out the most are Mark Stafford, who is the superheroes designer. So he just did all the new Black Panther Wakanda Forever sets. He did the Black Panther bust. Uh, Last year, he designed the Daily Bugle. But before that, He's done so many cool sets, like the agent sets back in the day. He's been a designer for, I think, almost two decades. And uh, when I got to sit down and interview him, the first thing I said to him is, you know, thank you so much for all the sets you've put out that helped me get to where I'm at in my journey. Because those sets that he was making all those years ago influenced me to want to get into that specific theme or to build something to go with that set. And it was just such a cool cornerstone when i look back at my life as a lego builder in his portfolio of sets there's so many like pivotal points in my building journey that he was responsible for and to get to sit down in a room with him for a 30 minute interview and shake his hand and tell him thank you is like the lego equivalent of me getting to say the same thing to paul mccartney you know it's like very different scales but when you extrapolate it for my two different worlds it was just the coolest thing ever. And he was such a sweet guy. So nice. Amazing, amazing dude. And he loves superheroes. So to know that who is behind these sets coming out is as passionate, if not more than I am, just makes you so much more excited to see what he's going to be cooking up next. The other guy, uh, his name's Chris Stamp. He's the designer for the Speed Champion sets. And as of the time of this recording, there's only so much I can say about like what we talked about because some of it's like not revealed yet, so I'm not allowed to talk about it. But um, I can talk in generalities about the sets that he showed me and like some prototype pieces. And so to like hold a prototype Lego piece for like a new element that they're designing, they have to prototype it to see how it'll fit. And it's more like, it's almost like, if you could imagine like what a 3d printed Lego piece would feel like, like it's almost there, but you could tell it's not the real deal and it's like spray painted and it's not, you know, whatever. Um, But he was so passionate about it that, you know, in our interview, I'd ask him a question and I get a six minute answer to a 11 word question. But the point is, is that it's so cool to meet these people and see how passionate they are. And know that the people that are making the sets that you end up buying at Target, Walmart, Lego store, whatever, you may never get to meet them. You may never see them face to face, but they're just as passionate about you, but on the other side of the product. So instead of you being passionate about ripping the bags open, they're (laughs) passionate about deciding what goes in those bags. And, you know, I just hope that the Lego fans out there that watch my interviews with these folks and listen to this interview here, just understand that there is so much passion and it's uh it's just amazing and is it true that every lego fits into every set is it yeah yes I mean, if you bought if you go buy a set right now the lego brick from that set will fit back with the very very first lego bricks ever made in the 40s and 50s now the difference is that the 
grip on the new ones is much better than the old ones, but they still fit together. It's incredible. Yeah, that's the metaphor. What product is that backwards compatible? Yeah, well, I was just gonna say the metaphor for that too is the the fact that everything new fits with everything old. Everything you could create now, you could add to something that was created then. the The idea of that connectivity in general of what that means in today's society, probably back then too. I just I love looking at it on this philosophical, you know, Lego just trying to make the world a better place, you know? It's amazing. And it's so cool to play my little part in it and to be able to, you know, sustain people that are in the hobby, bring people back into it, uh, bring new people in. It's just, you know, the honor of a lifetime for something that's meant so much to me and helped me get through so many times to, you know, get to have a voice in that community. And, you know, I don't take that with light responsibility. I love it. And you know, I, I just wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, I can attest at having, you know, walked through your house with you and you telling me about what everything was and, you know, showing me pieces and characters and all that. And the absolute joy just coming off of you in those moments, it, it's, it's truly your passion. And, and I love that. It's great to see people really into something, you know? I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately a rarity uh i just think life's too short you know there's no reason to not lean into these awesome things that we can get into whether it's you know for you racquetball or gardening or whatever it's just life's too short to sink into the couch and just be hypnotized by whatever the latest show is not to say you shouldn't take time to decompress with that but you know we are such interesting beings everybody's different we all have our own little ticks and things that you know get us interested or disinterested and to not take time to get to know yourself and to explore your passions is a disservice to yourself and um you know nobody can make you do it but you're certainly missing out by not exploring you know your inner psyche to the most uh that you can absolutely tell everybody how they might find you jonathan I am on all the platforms, Jonathan Pushkar, J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N, Pushkar, P-U-S-H-K-A-R. And then you can find my Lego world at Mini Superheroes Today on all the platforms. I'm everywhere. Yes, you are. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. It's great to finally have this conversation. It is so much fun. Uh, I'm so grateful we got to have it. I don't know what the timestamp is that we're at now, but it's gone by in the flash of an eye. And uh, love you so much and so grateful to be on the show. It's a lot of fun. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.